big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello, and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And today, as you can probably see, we are doing a, we're starting a new thing, which is a Q&A. So this is the very first one that we're doing. So we've already asked you to send in your questions and we are going to be responding to some of them. Mm, and I think, you know, we, we get asked questions quite often through Instagram or Facebook and sometimes it's, you know, it's obviously tricky to reply in short messages. I find it very challenging just typing back a response when things can sometimes be a lot more in depth. So we thought this is a beautiful opportunity for, for our lovely listeners to get some of their needs met by us speaking more to their questions or what's going on. And, you know, so many of the questions we have, you know, we've heard, many times before over the years. So I think they're pretty common themes that show up in families. So we're really excited to just bring another element to this lovely podcast. Hmm. And we'd also like to add another thing, which is although we're answering questions, of course, unless we were actually having a conversation with you, these are just, you know, we're not really getting the nuances of all the things and all the background of your child and you and your family and all the dynamics. So we do also really recommend and neither of us do one-off sessions anymore but we do recommend if you are wanting some more in-depth support there are lots of amazing aware parenting instructors over at awareparenting.com so if you are finding things challenging and you're wanting some more support there are lots of instructors there who do offer one-off sessions so um, please if things are uh, really challenging and things aren't shifting particularly if you know the theory we so often talk about this loud don't we that we can know the theory and we can um, put in practice the the practices and the processes but so often if and particularly if things aren't changing it's because there's something else that's required and usually that's our own internal processing having some listening for ourselves connecting with our feelings looking at our history our lineage that's often um, what really is the key to things shifting uh, yeah, I 100% agree. And I want to say that that, you know, that still exists for me sometimes that, you know, I know all the theory, <laughs> I've used it for a long time, but but sometimes stuff will turn up with my children where it really is clear that there are deeper roots in it for me. And sometimes I can't, I can't see inside myself or outside of myself and I need someone else to to share with, to talk to, to bounce it off. So, you know, I, I you know, Marion and I do that sometimes of like, can you just listen to this for a few minutes? Or what do you get or what do you see? And there is, there's incredible power in listening to the words people use and their reactions and responses. And it helps us to go a bit deeper, doesn't it? So I think it's something that is so beneficial to us as humans. You know, a lot of the time I feel like we can, I can get to the bottom of what stuff is, but you know, I also still need, we need support still, you know, because, and it's so powerful to have somebody else be able to hold that, that safety for you to look at what is coming up and, and where that sits. So it's such a valuable thing to offer ourselves or to gift ourselves. It's such a gift to give it to yourself to do that work and to look a bit deeper. So, yeah, so sometimes, you know, with parenting, it just is about some shifts and changes and some play and some listening to some tears and, you know, setting some boundaries. Sometimes it's that, but then sometimes there are deeper, deeper stories that are asking to be shifted. And particularly I see that a lot 
I'm sure you do too, Marion. If a child's behavior has been going on for quite a long time or something hasn't changed, no matter what we're doing, it is often an invitation to go, all right, what's your part in this picture here? <laughs> and it is often why too, you know, when, um, you know, I get contacted all the time saying, you know, I have an issue with my six-year-old. Can I bring him to see you? And I'm like, I don't, I don't actually see children. I don't work with children. I just work with the adults because it's it's us in responding to our children that can help the shifts change. So, yeah, it's powerful stuff. So we so totally encourage and invite you to go a bit deeper if things aren't shifting in your world to, to reach out to one of our many colleagues to support you. Yay. <laughs> so should we, should we go to Let's crack number in. one question? Number one question. Yes. Okay, so... The first question was on Instagram. Shall I share the person's name since it was on our public Instagram? No. Okay. No name showing, but you'll recognize yourself. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This person says, um, I would love to know how to shift your mindset or tools to use when feeling resentful. Love your beautiful podcast. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, Resentment's such such a juicy way into things. Um. I often find that resentment is just like a, it's like an indicator on our dashboard to say, where am I not listening to my needs, valuing my needs, willing to have my needs met, speaking up for my needs, asking for them to be met, setting loving limits, often those kinds of things. It's like, it's really an indicator that somewhere in, in our story, in our journey, I'm using your words now, now, story, in our story, we are we are not really honoring something in us that really needs to be honored. And resentment is like the, the signal for that to say, hello, hello, mm. attend to this. What is it? What is it mm. that you're not attending to? Mm. I love that. It's, I love that. The visual of the dashboard, it's, it, it is, it's exactly, it's, it's a barometer that's saying we've reached a point where we need to tune in a bit further to what's actually really sitting behind this. What's, what's causing this resentment here? Where am I not getting my needs met for sure? Yes. I look, I did a master's in resentful um, parenting (laughs) when I was younger, those first few years of parenting. Oh man, there was a lot of resentment there because, and without doubt, I had no idea how to take care of my own needs. I was constantly about the story that ran for me was you're a good mother if you give and you provide everything and you meet everyone else's needs and you look good doing it. And so um, that was a lot of pressure. It was very exhausting. And the flip side of that was I just was resentful. I remember times where I'd be sitting in my bedroom and I'd hear my children run down the hallway and it's like I would brace myself. I'd be like... Oh God, what are they going to want? What are they going to need? You know, what are they going to, you know, what more do I have to give? And it was such a, um, I was just so deeply in, in a story of not being able to take care of myself and what it meant. And, and therefore it came out as resentment. And my poor husband, I think about those years of just, he copped a lot of that. And it was so funny. I shared this with story before in my mind somewhere, you know, I remember thinking if it looks hard enough, like if I am that grumpy, then maybe he will go, you okay? Or do you need a break? Or, you know, there'd be permission there to, to give that to myself instead of just giving it to myself. So I know that resentful dance really well. 
And yes, exactly. I second everything you've said, Marion. What shifted that greatly for me was actually boundaries, was self-love, self-care, really getting to the root of why I didn't feel like I could give that to myself, why I couldn't claim it, why I couldn't say no, all that gorgeous stuff that we've talked about in many of our podcasts before around claiming us and our space so that we can become the parent we want to. So that was a huge, huge game changer in my parenting career. And, you know, I'm grateful for it. I'm sure my kids probably weren't at the time, but I trust in healing. <laughs> but um, it was it showed me the contrast for sure of what it was. And and absolutely now, if ever I become resentful, which is very rare, and I'm sure it's for you too, Marion, it rarely happens. But if I am feeling that, I'm like, oh, where 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 is my willingness? You know, where am I sitting with this? And I think it is. It's such a beautiful barometer. So yes, that's a good, good question. Lovely question. Um, you know, me, I always like to bring in the bigger cultural colonized perspective that's really normal and natural in our domination colonized um, culture that most of most people who will be listening to this uh, is if you listen to or speak English, you're probably immersed in it is so normal and natural because that's the whole thing mothering uh, well fathers might be listening to but if you're a mother it's the cultural conditioning mothers do not have needs we shouldn't ask for our needs we should sacrifice all our needs um you know all of that kind of stuff is so much part of the cultural conditioning so i think it's a really normal natural process to go through mm. the masters in resentment <laughs> to come out the other side <laughs> deeply honoring of our needs and we have done a lot of podcasts about this did we actually do one called i feel resentful i think maybe we did, did we i don't do know if, i don't know if we had the resentful one well i've definitely talked about it i don't know talked. if we've, we've called it one but <laughs> and we've got it's one a good thing saying no we've got a few on things like that boundaries saying no all of that stuff mm. so if you want to dive in deeper i also mm. oh and the one we did on i'm exhausted i mean oh that's the one yes i'm, exhausted, not I'm resentful but you know mm. similar going to be similar <laughs> mm, yes so i hope that helps thank you for that that beautiful question i hope that gives you some stuff to work in or to feel into around where your story is and again sometimes that can be hard to get on our own and that's why speaking to someone else who has this understanding might be really um beneficial yeah to help I think, yes i think because particularly too it is so much part of that um perspective isn't it that as mothers we just give and give and give and give and give and you know that's so hmm. so to to get support in actually seeing ah you know actually it is um it's actually a wonderful gift to our children to be willing to have our needs met uh, fully and beautifully i often say our children really want us to get our needs met. It may appear that sometimes they're not because they're like you know you sit down to read a book and they want to play lego but they pay the price when we have um when we're really not honoring our needs and we're feeling resentful it's our children that pay the price so they really are inviting us to do whatever is required so that we we uh decrease the resentment and increase the fulfillment mm. and i also love to from that piece of look what we model to them when we do that you are gifting them the imprint around this is what it is to take care of yourself and your needs so you can give from a place where you want to or where it can feel feel good for you so i i always think about that as what am i modeling 
here around this. And, you know, we've discussed this too, particularly for having daughters for me, I just really being in that self-sacrificing imprint I had for a long time. I was like, I do not want them to do this. So how do I help them see there's a different way? And that only came from me shifting what I was doing so that they, they see that in a different way. So yeah. Good question. Good question. I actually want to say one other thing. We keep going, oh, we finished that one. Just one more thing. Um, and you might have one more thing, which is to even think in, if you're a tra- imagine being a child or a teen and receiving something from your parent, whatever that is, receiving an action or your dinner with, with your parent being fulfillment and fullness in themselves and absolute willingness to give to you. They're giving from that place of I'm so willing. I have, I'm so lovingly and willingly giving this to you. And imagine by contrast, they're giving it to you, feeling really resentful, not willing, not really wanting to fed up, pissed off. (laughs) It's a very different experience for, for the other person too. And I think that can be helpful is, you know, they, they're picking up on that all the time. So not another reason to, ourselves with emotional sticks but also uh, a reason to um do some inquiry and um mm. lovingly listening to to what's getting in the way of us um mm. to have our needs met mm. yes i love that That's, that is a really good example too how would it feel receiving with both those things it's it's yeah that's good mm, amazing mm. all right next question number two um so This person says, thank you so much for your question. I'm so excited about this opportunity. My husband and I have been practicing the aware parenting approach with our 18 month old. There are so many aspects that we really love, especially the um, introversion and inner work in ourselves first. Yay. We do our best to follow our little girl's lead with activities, greeting others, etc. Sometimes we are finding tricky something that we're finding tricky is that she is not willing to greet or acknowledge or spend time with certain family members, regardless of how much time we spend with them. It recently happened that a little girl would rather go to her niece or nephew whom she hardly knows rather than going to these family members. We do our best to navigate these situations for her and others, but recently the members of our family who we really love have been getting offended. On the one side, I wish she would just say hi, but on the other, I really honor, value, and respect her little girl's internal space and willingness. Question, how can I make this easier in our family, and is there a way of shifting this behavior into a way that is more socially acceptable and still in line with my little girl's autonomy? Thank you. Mmm, there's some good juice in there. Um... I just think we're just where to go, where to start within that. Um, what I always love to do actually is think about, firstly, imagine being your little girl. So imagine being your 18-month-old daughter and and just her and her spirit and who she is. And she walks into a room and there's adults there. And perhaps what she's sensing from these adults is, oh, you have to come and, you know, say hello to me or, you know, come and show me that you love me by being willing to give me a hug or, or I want to know that I'm important in your world so that when I say hello to you, you know, your face lights up and, you know, so maybe there's, and, and I, I really want to know, I really want to state that I know family members, it comes from love, you know, we want that connection and be there. But for some children, you know, they are highly attuned to the energy and the feelings behind what adults do a lot of the time like what we said before our kids are feeling what's happening not so much what we're saying they get the energy of it 
And I would imagine for your little one that going to other children who perhaps do not have the same agenda that we often do as adults can feel safer because they're like, okay, they don't want anything from me or they don't think, want or need anything from me. Now, again, look, we, we're trying to stay with this. We don't know the bigger picture in the story. So it's really hard to kind of, you know, I, I hope this doesn't come across as that it's offending your family members because we know it always comes from a place of love. But I really do trust children and I trust that they know what they need and what they're feeling. And sometimes us as adults, because we've had a lifetime of often negating that or numbing that or not listening to that, we, we are more conditioned by the social norms of what we're told we should do. Whereas children, I feel, are closer to the source on some level of what feels right for them, of what feels truth for them. So I would imagine, and again, we don't really know that perhaps why she's doing that is because she's like, well, these kids don't need anything or want anything from me. And I really do hear and respect that you want to, you know, um, you know, really honour her autonomy and what she needs to do. And I guess, you know, I think I'll hand it over to you in a minute, Marion, but I would say that the family members who have their feelings hurt, perhaps because she's not responding in that way, is a beautiful opportunity for them <laughs> to feel into well, what feels, what is, what's that about for them? Because they're responsible for their feelings. You know, your beautiful little girl isn't responsible to make them feel happy or make them feel okay. Um, that's what they need to hold. But I also hear within that too, a lot of empathy and compassion that you want it to feel good as a family and when we get together. And I know we've, we've shared this in some of our sensitive podcasts, those kind of things. Like my, my middle child when she was younger would not say hello to anyone. <laughs> she would hide behind our legs. You know, when she, from being little up until probably about seven or eight, she was really, really cautious wherever she'd walk into a room. And, and knowing her now as a 17-year-old, she has one of the most sensitively attuned natures. She can walk in and tell you exactly what's going on in a space because she's highly attuned. She's watched people a lot. You know, it's, it's almost a skill she's developed. And um, it, I, I really relate that how challenging it was when she was little of people's expectations of what she would do. You know, she just wouldn't say anything and then people would be like, well, what's wrong with her? And, you know, that was challenging as a parent to be like, nothing. She's just doing what she needs to do and she is taking her time coming to the, the story. You know, we'd go to gatherings or parties and for two hours she would just sit beside me or on my lap or not look and then just as we're about to leave she'd want to get up and play <laughs> so we're like okay so I really do understand how challenging this can be as a parent sometimes um, when our children are doing what they need to do to stay in their little you know safe orbit sometimes so yeah that's my little take on it over to you Marion totally resonate with everything you say love so beautiful um, so yes I would say moving on to what we could do as well as deeply trusting her is giving empathy to the other family members you feel sad you feel frustrated and then it might also be i was thinking like offering like would you like some suggestions because i know for me um before i became a parent if i would go to talk to a like a one and a half or two year old i'd go up and i you know i'd talk to like a like they're an adult hello how are you mm. and a lot of Little, little small children don't really respond to that. But as soon as I learned about attachment play, <laughs> I knew that for any child, I could just go in and, you know, even if they're being a toddler being held by their mum and I just do a little bit of like, um, this is where we need a video, you know, just like, uh, what, do you, what do you call it? It's kind of like a little bit of a peekaboo, like around, going around one side and then maybe going around the other and just smiling and not, not doing that 
hello, how are you? What are you doing today? What have you been up to? But just actually engaging with play is what children, particularly really young children, often really respond to if, if they feel that connection with us. So that might be an opportunity to say to other family members, would you like to, some suggestions and ways that I found really helpful to, to, um, to connect and help her feel really comfortable and, and just maybe show them a little bit of attachment play around little peek and boo games and those little games that perhaps she likes playing. So it's really, it may also be um, setting up a little bit of play. And I think often in social gatherings, um, people can tend to split up into children and, and parents, children and adults, but I think it can be really helpful to actually go in and play the adults to go in and play with the kids and engage with them and you know, meet them in what they're interested at and actually supporting the other adults in the family who would like to connect with your daughter for actually how to do that. So you're kind of showing them um, how they can have the kind of connection with her that they're really wanting. Mm, I love that. I love that. Those suggestions are so great. I've got two things with that. One, it's making me remember that um, for my middle child, who was really just very cautious and, and really slow to kind of, you know, suss out a situation. My third daughter was the complete opposite. And I remember it too. If there was ever a group of adults, she would get my phone and, you know, because she knew how to work an iPhone at two and put on music, right? And then she would go to every adult and grab their hand and pull them up. And, and she wouldn't get up and wouldn't, um, wouldn't stop until they would get up and dance. So she used to make all the adults in a, in a room, it didn't matter who it was, get up and dance with her. And she would stand in the middle of them and she'd smile. And if they'd go to sit down, she'd go and grab their hand and she'd pull them back. And she was on some level the exact opposite of like, I want you to all play and be here. And it was amazing. Like, and that, that is very much who she is in the world. And um, I just was thinking of that, you know, again, how beautiful to to have adults, to have your 18-month-old sit on your lap, have a balloon that you, you're throwing around the room to the other adults and missing it and laughing and playing where there is no agenda but to just be could be a really beautiful suggestion. I think too, like I um, in my previous lifetime when I was a children's entertainer and I used to um, I used to go to people's houses all the time and do kids' birthday parties or I used to put on big shows and I, I was working through all my um, attachment play stuff that I never got as a kid, so I did it as a job. <laughs> and um, and it, I developed such a beautiful um, appreciation for children who who weren't big and loud and here I am kind of thing that, and especially if it was a birthday party, which can often feel very overwhelming. So I really became really attuned to connecting with children without even saying anything. So it was just a look or it was just bending down low. It was sometimes just waving at them. And my, always what I used to do is I used to remember I would walk into a room or a space and I would instantly kind of imagine my heart would just be beaming at them. So I, my feeling was, I don't need anything from you. I'm just sending you a lot of love and safety. I'm going to wave at you and smile. I just want you to know my energy is safe and that um, you can come when you're ready. And, um, and that, that was an amazing skill to develop, you know, all those years ago, just to be able to walk into spaces and have to connect with children instantly because people were paying me to. <laughs> so I was like, I've got to, I've got to do something here. Um, and again, some kids were really, would take a long time. Others were right there. I would just have some kids' parties. I remember where they just, all the childbirth I wanted to do was sit on my lap the whole entire time. That was all they needed. And that was magnificent as well. So that may be something to think about too, is, is to just what our energy says. And this isn't just for this question, but when we are meeting children, 
to just not be so, I guess, sometimes big in our interactions with them, but just to allow them to come to us when we're ready as well. So, hmm. Oh, Lael, I love all of that. So mm. gorgeous, so mm. yummy. And yes, as a very highly sensitive person myself and um, my daughter is as well, what, one thing I really know still even now is if people come in and ask me a lot of questions and for, for my daughter as a younger person too, for any, any of us in our family, lots of questions is like, ah, you know, one way to, to <laughs> help the highly sensitive person go to the other end of the room is asking <laughs> lots of questions. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, it's a beautiful skill to get attuned to, to read people, to navigate what's going on in a room to, and especially for children as well as, you know, when you watch and observe, because that's what they're doing constantly. They're watching, observing what feels safe, what doesn't, where can I, you know, lean into this, you know, what, what still feels unsure, you know, that's the way they're looking at the world. So it's really beautiful to maybe just put yourself in her shoes for a little minute to see what that might be like, where she's coming from, you know, and also the other thing I just offered too, you know, if there is a part for this um, lovely mama who wrote this question, whether there's feelings for her in that, that, you know, perhaps her daughter isn't the way that her family want her to respond. And again, knowing there's a lot of love there, but if there's anything in that comes up for her around wanting it to look differently and if there's some, you know, some threads back into her own story around that. Yes, it can be very tricky, can't it, as a parent? I remember even about a year ago, I was in our local health food shop and there was a child just running around with just joy, and not agitated, just joyfully and wanting to connect. And, and I could see this parent just feeling so uncomfortable and worried about what people might think and saying sorry all over the place. And, you know, our culture really isn't set up to support that, the, the natural... Um, just uh, children basically <laughs> so i think we can so often be concerned about how our child is and what that you know what other people might be saying or thinking or judging so again so much compassion to to every parent who's ever been in that kind of position and um yeah i wish we lived in a culture or a co-creating a new culture where that is not the case <laughs> one of the really important things for me with our school that we're building is for our teachers to be really deeply attuned to each child and how they are and not not pushing any of that you know come here or you know all the questions all that kind of stuff but to really get to know them and feel connected to them <clears throat> so they do know those children that need a little bit more gentleness you know moving into the day, the class, the group, all those kind of things without any pressure whatsoever. It's just total acceptance that you are where you are, trust where you're at and um, you can come in when you're ready. It's really, really important to me that that's something that we hold in our school um, as a really, really high value to meet the child where they're at. Mm. So yummy, so yummy. Good question. Different experience that we're going to get. Mm. All right. Okay. Next question. This is fun. Ah, number three. Um, I have a question for your podcast. So this mama says, since child two came along a few months ago, my almost three-year-old has attached to herself to daddy. It's daddy do this, daddy carry me, daddy get this for me, daddy fix it, daddy do it. I think you get the picture. But of late, daddy has come to realize uh, that it's not cool. He's that he's treated like a slave. That's an interesting phrase to be using. Um, excuse me, I'm going to cough. <coughs> um, so they end up 
in these bickering arguments and they both end up having these tantrums. Of course, the end result is her crying to mummy and likely wakes the baby and then we have two and a half crying meltdowns in the house. His thinking is that if he doesn't create boundaries and put a stop to her walking all over him, then he's afraid our daughter will end up walking over everyone. So is he right to put his foot down or is now just not the time given that we've just had a recent addition to the family? Wowzers, there's so much in this one, isn't there? Mm, it's a great, great, great question. And I, I want to say that I have this, this exact theme or some of these themes comes up a lot for me with sessions when I'm working um, with, with people in my groups, that this is a, quite a common thing that can actually happen on, on a few different levels. So do you want to go first, Marion? In, in oh, what you, no, you go first. <laughs> well, I think that you're already like, jung, jung, I can see the okay. tendrils in there. <laughs> uh, well, I think there is different elements within this. You know, I think the one that stands out to me the first is just dad feeling like he's a bit of a slave um and i know many mothers or many parents can feel like this when their little ones ordering them around all the time or i just want you know as a parent so i think what comes up to me well there's one element just of, of where that lands for dad and what that perhaps reminds him of and what feelings surface for him so well, there's that on one level that i think needs to be addressed of <clears throat> what what is he feeling when his daughter is doing this and what where does he know those feelings from? Is that familiar from somewhere else in his own story where he'd been ordered around all the time? He didn't feel like he had a say. He didn't feel like he had autonomy or, you know, where does that link to? Uh, the other thing I would say too is sometimes when children really favour one parent and they just want, you know, daddy to do this all the time, often it can be because the parent has become a repression mechanism or a control pattern in the sense of that the parent you know, particularly if a new baby has come along, you know, if I, I'm going to put all my attention, much like it might be a dummy or a blanket or the iPad onto a person. And so I must have them at all costs. And if I can't have them, then, you know, that's like a loving limit or a boundary, then all those feelings are going to come up. And so often how I see parents usually interpret this is that, you know, if they just want dad and he doesn't do it, she absolutely, you know, loses the plot and then it's hard and horrible and, you know, and and it looks and feels all a bit messy. Whereas really, if if dad could set a loving limit or a boundary to just say, you know what, mummy's um, going to do it this time or, you know, whatever, wherever that edge can pop up, then what we want to do is hold a space for how she feels about that. Because I would say having a new baby in the house, there's probably a lot of feelings going on for a little person. And sometimes it plays out in different ways. And so I would say, and I have seen this many times before, that, that when a child becomes fixated on just one parent and you know we always say too when there's an urgency around i must have something so daddy must do it this way or i must have that blanket or i must eat that food or whenever there's a freneticness around it there's an energy around it it usually shows us that there you know there's something going on around i need this to so i don't have to feel what else is bubbling underneath so for me i would also you know my i guess my suggestion would be to for firstly dad to look at what's going on for him, what feelings come up for him, and then working together, I guess, as a team to set a, a beautiful loving limit to be able, you know, when when mum is also available perhaps to hold feelings or they both can or depending on where that's at, where when she wants daddy to do something, for dad to be able to say, you know what, sweetheart, I'm not going to do that for you now and mummy can do it for you and 
both of you to hold the space. It doesn't have to be both of you, but even if just dad can hold the space for the feelings that come up around that. Because I would imagine too, you know, with a new baby going on and, um, you know, perhaps your little one doesn't have as much um, space to be with mum as well. There could be a lot of hurt feelings within that. And sometimes we're protecting ourselves, little ones protect themselves from those bigger feelings around mum and what's changed by, you know, making it all about dad on some level. So, so that would be my first two, I guess, suggestions to lean into around what could be happening there. Mm, so beautiful, Ellen. And I would say such similar things, probably just with slightly different nuances as well. I, I always remember Aletha saying, and I just found that really, really helpful to put, our, put ourselves in our shoes of the child who's just got a new sibling. It can so easy be to be looking at it from our own perspective. You know, of course, it's wonderful. We have a new baby and that is the most wonderful thing. But to actually... Um, Imagine in some ways it's like our partner, if we have a partner saying, hey, I'm going to bring another wife or husband or partner or another person I'm going to love. And they bring them home. Not only do they bring them home or or, whatever, they come, they come from somewhere else and they spend way more time with the new partner. They're much more loving and kissy and cuddly with a new partner they're much more frustrated with us they they spend less time with us they um you know we we lose some kind of the the um primacy of that uh, connection with them and just imagine the humongousness of the feelings we have and then multiply that by quite a few because um we are an adult we have a whole load of cognitive capacity which our child small children do not have so I think that for me, it's so often really helped to keep on reminding ourselves of this, that it's so normal and natural, exactly as you already said, for children when they have a new sibling to have a humongous big feelings of hurt and loss. You know, there's, of course, it's wonderful to have more than one child, but there is something that's, um, you know, indelibly different when the, when the next child comes along, isn't there? And I think to really acknowledge that for ourselves, the grief and the loss and the mourning of that, uh, and all the big things that are so normal and natural. So I, would, I just agree with everything you said, Lam. I guess another thing that is possible, um, a couple of extra thoughts I had were, number one, sometimes our children can help us connect with feelings that they're having. So um, perhaps, you know, the feelings that the child is having around not having mummy so available is like part of what they're showing. Like, I want daddy all the time. And to actually almost... Um, give mama a sense of what she as the child might be experiencing, if that makes sense. And the other thing is that we can also go in as well as with loving limits and listen to the big feelings, but attachment play can be really helpful here as well. So it can be that if the, the child's saying, daddy, daddy, I want to do it. No, I don't want to do it with you. I want to do it with daddy. Is for mama to do, um, no, but please, 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 can I do it? Please let me do it. I really want to do it with you. I so love you and I miss you since we've had the baby. I haven't seen you so much. Please. And the child is going to, can turn into a kind of a power reversal game because the child's going to say, no, no, I want to do it with daddy because there's a whole lot of powerlessness that comes with having a new sibling so they get to uh, experience some of that power get to say some of that no it might turn into some laughter especially if we might say something like you know but please can I can I just touch your foot can I just uh, can I pick your nose can I can I anything anything please and they're like no and so sometimes that can turn into laughter and 
because we know from attachment play that laughter can release some of the some of the feelings. It doesn't ever replace crying and tantrums and raging, but it can release some of the powerlessness and the frustration and the, the lighter feelings, and that can actually support more crying as well. So. Mm. I also um I, I love all that um yes and the attachment play can be so powerful there I also really um feel for parents that it can be tricky when a new baby comes along because we have that awareness to go gosh it must be hard for the, the older one so I just want to make it okay for them and easy for them so we often just don't really have boundaries with them because we're just, oh, the poor thing, it must be so hard. They've got a little brother or sister and let's try and make it all okay for them. So often I see that too. We kind of don't set the boundaries and the limits and then the child's behaviour becomes more and more demanding because they're saying, can you please set me a limit? Can you please give me a boundary here because um, I need an opportunity to offload some stuff that's going on. I also need to know where that boundary and edge is that makes me feel safe as well. So that is something that I have seen a lot too because, you know, there's part of us that's like, oh, I just want them to feel okay. Of course we do. But also remembering too that loving limits can be just one of the greatest gifts we give our children. So I think there's some beautiful threads there for the dad to, to feel into that. And remembering, and I just want to highlight this too, that remembering when we're setting limits, and, and I also really hear that is a concern for a lot of parents that, you know, my child's going to end up entitled and just, you know, getting what they want and all that kind of stuff. It's such a big fear for a lot of parents um, that when we are setting those limits, and this is why you, Marion, so beautifully use the word loving limits, it is set with love. It is set with a centeredness, not with an anger and an aggression and a power over, but it is set with uh, sweetheart, it's no for now or whatever we're saying, but we are setting it with our beautiful intention that says, I'm going to give you something to bump up against. I'm happy to hear how you feel about that. I can understand that there's probably something deeper going on here and I'm happy to hold that space for you to, to move what's sitting there for you. So it's really good just to remember that, that setting boundaries or limits comes from that space, you know, not from I don't want my child to be entitled so I'm going to be hard on them kind of thing. There is a really, there's a big difference in, in how we do that for sure. Yes, and I think it's really remembering that the paradox is the more they get to express the grief and the loss and the powerlessness and the outrage and the frustration, the hurt is the more, the happier they're going to be, the more loving, because that's their true nature, they're going to be loving with a new sibling, they're going to be less likely to ever try and pinch or pull hair or push over because those feelings come from the unexpressed tears and outrage and, and hurt. So the paradox is the more we're willing to listen and the more we have capacity to listen to all the big normal natural feelings, the more, um, you know, the more at ease in themselves they're going to feel, they're going to feel happier, they're going to be able to sleep more easily, all the things that we really want to, um, to support them. Mm, and I just, I want to say, I just... Big love to a family when you have a baby and a toddler. It's it's big. Those years can be really big when you are, you know, having those transitions and adjustments. And, um, you know, especially we've talked about this before in many podcasts where we're often not supported in the way we need to with from community with our young families. So big love to these parents who are who are navigating this and doing this because it's it can be a very challenging time having a baby and and a toddler and you know we can just feel like we're in a battlefield sometimes you know trying to to do it all but they're beautiful invitations these times to really look at some of our own stories and and tune into with our boundaries and connection and play and all those kind of things 
Yes, so much compassion. Yes, I actually also want to say one other thing, which is also really, you know, me and language, I'm really passionate about it. Just wrote a post about it today. Um, it's also really helpful to be aware of the kinds of things we're telling ourselves. So I noticed the languaging here, if we're telling ourselves, I'm being treated like a slave, um, uh, I'm being walked all over, um, she's going to walk over everyone, do I, do I need to put my foot down? So it's really helpful to inquire into that kind of languaging. And again, it's very, very much this, this culture. And to, again, as you said right at the beginning, look at where that, where that came from, where we were spoken to in those ways, and to see whether they're perhaps more observational ways that we might like to, um, you know, we can look at what we're observing rather than... Um, so much talking about those kinds of things so it's using those ling that languaging to go back and look at our own history and then seeing would we like to choose to speak in different ways around mm. our children's um, behavior because that can help us um, feel more calm and relaxed if we're saying if our child is um, saying you know daddy do it daddy do it and we're saying with our internal languages that you know she's treating me like a slave she's walking all over me all that we're liable to feel really frustrated and we're liable to respond with power over and get into the exact argument so yes we need to go away and listen to the we need to go away and listen to the source of it but also um we can be aware of the kind of languaging we're using on an ongoing basis because mm -hmm. uh, we might want to think about using different ways that's a another opportunity to say ah oh, she's um mm, she's saying daddy do it daddy do it a lot of times isn't she she's really doing oh my gosh i'm and there might be an internal bit of empathy feeling really frustrated i really want choice and autonomy i don't actually want to get up and play for the 57th time mm. it's really um for me aware parenting is that invitation to not only parent um without punishments and rewards and blame and shame and all that stuff but the invitation to um you know to change our internal dialogue around that kind of stuff too if we want to mm, i love that and that that kind of ties back into our first question which was about resentment is that are we taking it you know how how are those what our child's asking of us where's it landing with us and what do we need you know in 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 ourselves so yeah i love that thread mm, that's good great uh, so I think if that's all our questions for today, that's, is that all we've got for today? Yes, I think so. I mean, we have got more questions, but I think that's a, I think three is enough to mm -hmm. be, to be simmering around, don't you? Yes, yes, I think that's good. And we can, and so we, we welcome more questions because so, we've still got some more and we'll do them in our next one. So we definitely um, welcome your questions. Feel free to write to us on, um, you can do an Instagram message or on Facebook or you can, you know, through Marion's page, Facebook page or my Facebook page, you can contact us and let us know if you have a question for our Q&A we'd be very happy to receive them and, and speak to them yeah so I hope this has been helpful for I think you know with many questions there's different elements and threads that come up for everybody in their day-to-day -day lives so I hope in listening to this it's given you some other tools or insights to feel into and I guess I I would like to stress again that you know sometimes just in a question it's hard to really get to the deeper parts of what's going on so that's why I think we always recommend you know if if 
those suggestions don't shift stuff, then it may be an opportunity to tune into doing some work with someone else or doing some deeper inquiry. Um, our beautiful uh, colleague Carolina has a um, listening partnership. So we're parenting listening partnerships page. You can find it on Facebook and, um, and she sets up beautiful listening partnerships and, and offers support in listening. So remembering that that's a beautiful offering out there for, for people as well. If you are looking to connect with others who do also love aware parenting and, um, you know, can offer some listening time. There's a wonderful resource out there. Yay. Mm, yeah. Um, oh, question. Do you have a, well, I know we usually do that. We could still do that. Do you have a, like an invitation for anyone? Ah, yes, that's today? good. An invitation for today. Where, where am I today? <laughs> well, I think my invitation today, and we've been talking about this, haven't we, in the last 24 hours, Marion, is about, you know, parenting without doubt asks us to inquire into who we are, our wounds, our past, our deeper stories. And that can feel challenging at times. It can also feel scary, but my goodness, it can be so powerful in transforming your life. And, um, you know, we often speak about this a lot about what we call doing the work, which means about, you know, leaning into those places where we have feelings that are uncomfortable and, and being curious and, and getting the support we need to uncover and unpack them so that we can become the best version of ourselves for our children. So I guess my invitation is, you know, to to lean into those spaces if you can, if it feels safe enough to, or get the support so that you can, because that is often what changes, makes massive shifts in families. Mm. What about for you, Marion? Um Hmm, I have two. Which one do I want to do? do, 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 do. Hmm, I think I might go the language since that's on my mind for today. I invite you to notice uh, over the next few days the, the kind of languaging that you are having either in your consciousness or that you're speaking and to notice whether any places where you're using words that were perhaps spoken to you or really are part of the more older um, domination culture around children, whether you might like to... Um, yeah, go and get, get have some empathy buddy time or go and take that to, to share about that and to see whether there's some different ways that you might like to be speaking about your child or to your child some different language that is more um, aligned with your values around deep compassion and trust of your child's true nature. Mm. I love it. It's good. So good. So Marion, you have some beautiful offerings for people to, um, to explore and purchase. I know, I mean, Marion, you have to go and look at her website because she's got so much amazing free information on there and so many incredible courses that if you want more tools and particularly we've talked today a little bit about play and those kind of things, you have an amazing attachment play course, don't you? That is really that people can do in their own time so that you don't have to sign up and turn up. You can just do it in your own time. That can just give you so many wonderful tools to use and to work with around a lot of the issues we've spoken about today, but just, you know, every day. Mm, thank you. Yes, yeah. I'm actually thinking that because I mentioned Attach and Play a few times today. I, I really love my Attach and Play course. It has lots of videos. Um, it's got lots of um, game, millions of, not millions, literally probably hundreds of game ideas. <laughs> and it's just really, uh, I really enjoy it. So you might want to go and have a look at that. There's a free mm. intro as well to see if it interests you. Mm, beautiful. And Lael, I understand your next emotion is already pretty full up. 
Yes, that's exciting. My next immersion starts in a few days and we're booked. But my latest thing I'm most excited about is my We're Parenting for Couples course, which, yes, is, which is really exciting because it is about all the tools that we use in We're Parenting, but it also is about a deeper inquiry as a couple into our own stories, what we experienced as kids, how that turns up today in our parenting of our children and how we also can work as a team, as a couple. So it really kind of, it's like a couples course but with parenting <laughs> thrown in as well it's great it's it's all a beautiful invitation into just looking at more of our own stories and and how we can how we can work as a team and also create more harmony in our family so that is just about to be launched and um yeah i'm really excited and that's of course you can do in your own time whenever you want so yeah it's exciting it's good yeah, carry on. I was going to say COVID, COVID, being in this COVID lockdown has just um, has been a time of creating more content. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, let's build more stuff. So it actually, you know, I've, I'm, I'm loving that on some level. It's been, you know, it's been a very productive time, that's for sure. Mm, so here, and I really want to acknowledge, I think it's such a, a missing piece in the aware parenting landscape is, is this material that you are about to share with the world on your website uh, and you know, I've heard from years people asking for something like this. So I really want to acknowledge and celebrate you and invite everybody who just, which is everyone who's in a partnership, because even if it's like a, an ex or a donor or whatever it is, it's still a relationship. They come go and have a look at Lael's. thank you thank you you. mutual love thank you so thank you everybody for being here we really we really value your comments and your support and the sharing of our podcast so please um, get in touch with us again if you have questions otherwise we wish you much gentleness and compassion on your parenting journey yay so much love to all of you Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.